Good morning, everybody. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Man, I'm Dr. D.Z. Cofield, senior pastor here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church of Houston, Texas. And I want to thank you for the privilege of your time. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, what a tremendous week it has been. And we come together today to honor God, to give him the praise, the glory, and the honor in the midst of all that's going on. I am so grateful that God is still on the throne. Listen, like us, share us with family members and friends. Let them know there's never been a better time for hope. And remember, you're not watching to make us a big church or make me a big preacher. We are here committed to helping you become the biggest and best Christian you can possibly be. Our word today comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, and I will be reading from the ESV translation of the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time. Father, we bless you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for just the privilege to be able to come and worship you and lift our voices together in song and I pray God that you would be glorified throughout this entire worship experience I pray that your people will be edified and I pray that the devil will be horrified and terrified by what you will do in to and for your people this day we love you and we ask these blessings in Jesus name amen well I'm excited today to introduce my friend, my brother from another mother. Uh, the, the, he used to be the Prince of Gospel. I think he's been around long enough now uh, that we can dub him at least the Duke of Gospel, if not the King. John P. Key is the pastor. Uh, he's a singer. He's a songwriter. Uh, he is a psalmist. He has been used by God for multiple decades to carry the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And I'm excited for our friendship and our brotherhood with one another and he has consented to come and bless us today in our worship experience make sure you call your friends call your family members man start that watch party because john p key is about to take us to another level in the lord come on put your hands together send out some well wishes let's thank god for pastor john p key 
Yo, I dedicate this to my partner. Just had a 60th birthday. Fred Hammond. Yo, scream this. about 12 years ago ashamed of it because it took a God to carry us through last year into this year and what God really did was he severed you and gave you your own business in other words however God bless you it ain't nobody's business but yours so wherever you are just open up your mouth and say Lord I thank you for my own business so tell the adversary to stay out of it Matter of fact, say this, say, say. You don't know my business. You don't know my business. Mm, yeah. Y'all got to say it, though. You don't know my business. You don't know my business. Oh, God. Mm, yeah. You don't know my business. So tell the adversary, I said, stay out, stay out, oh, stay out my business, oh, stay out, stay out, God's been too good to me for you to be over here dealing with mine, say, stay out, stay out, he's taking me to new levels since I cut you loose. So stay up, stay up, my my God. Hey, y'all 
say it like you mean it. Stay out. ago in Dallas, Texas, for a young lady named Gay Arbuckle. But I recorded it. It's one of the biggest hits of my career. But I want to sow it into everybody watching right now. If you need prayer and you need God to move like never before, listen to this. It's me. Me, oh Lord, standing in the knee. I am standing in the knee. Yeah. Yeah. Not my mother, father, sister. Son, say a verse for me.
Look at somebody in your house and say, I made it out. Tell them, say, I made it out, I made it out, I made it out. it out but come on you ought to give God some praise right there I made it out and I thank God for Pastor John P. Key and Zacardi Cortez uh, Houston's own I remember Zacardi and his uh, siblings man when they had the Cortez kids and uh, man they used to do a tremendous job and to see him grow and become uh, the young man that he has become and used by God in such a powerful way is exciting thank God today for Pastor John P. Key. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time today in his word. Father, we thank you and we bless you for today. We thank you for this time. We pray now, God, that everything that comes forth would be used to glorify you. 
hide me behind the cross, forgive me of my sins. Let nothing that I have thought, said, or done hinder your word from going forth. That somebody might hear from you. And in hearing from you might be saved. And those who are saved, that they might be encouraged to run on to see what the end will be. It's in Jesus' name we pray and we pray. Amen. So I don't think there's any question that over this last year, we have been forced to live with some things and in some situations that you have probably prayed and wished God would have delivered you from. Um, Whether it was economic crisis or the pandemic and the ramifications and repercussions of those things, uh, many of us have been put into a very difficult place, a difficult situation, so much so that you have felt some things you didn't feel before. You are thinking some things you haven't thought in the past. You may have said some things that you have never said before. Uh, Walter's story is a story that I think most of us can identify with. Uh, Walter is a Christian. Uh, He's a person who has accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior, but Walter learned over the past year that just because he was a Christian didn't mean he wouldn't have struggles in life. Uh, As a matter of fact, Walter began to suffer from a kind of uh, anxiety that was rooted in the unknown and uncertainty and and his own personal frustration. Uh, He would pray and ask God to remove uh, that spirit of anxiety from him, that, that worry from him, and And it seemed like the more he prayed, the worse it got. Then Walter started feeling some kind of way because he was like, you know, if I'm really a Christian and the Bible tells me don't worry, then then I must not be a good Christian because I am worrying. And so he began to feel guilty about worrying and then praying and asking God to remove the worry, remove the frustration, remove the depression from him, and nothing was working. He began to feel like he was, in some ways, going crazy. Couldn't sleep at night. Would wake up in the middle of the night with panic attacks. uh, Feeling some kind of way and then feeling some kind of way about feeling some kind of way. Walter felt like a failure as a Christian. Because no matter what he did, he could find no relief for his pain for his anxiety, for his frustration. He finally went to the doctor. And even going to the doctor, he felt like he was a failure again because he was thinking, man, as a Christian, I should be able to pray my way through this. Why is it that I'm still struggling? Why is it that I'm still suffering from this thing that I want to get rid of? How many of you can identify with Walter? Yeah, I know I can, at least a little bit. Because the truth of the matter is, even though the year has changed, even though the clock has moved forward chronologically, uh, I feel like many of us are still carrying the burdens of 2020 into 2021. I mean, we went through all of the motions and all of the happy New Year celebrations and the like, but the truth of the matter is, my brothers and sisters, we, we still got some of that same stuff going on with us today. I I remember uh, last year when when the deaths of COVID-19 victims was in single digits. Uh, I I remember one newscast when when they were announcing that 20 people had died and and, and the reporter mistakenly said 2,000. And I remember people thinking, oh my God, how could you misspeak Like that, 2,000, there's no way we're going to suffer 2,000 deaths in this country, and here we are over 400,000. The economic crisis was only supposed to last days, weeks, at most a couple of months, and here we are now quickly moving into an entire year of economic crisis, not just in this country, but we join in with people from around the world. 
And if you are a good Christian, you have been praying and you've been asking, seeking information, seeking answers from God. God, what are you doing? God, how long are we going to have to go through this? And at the end of the day, guess what? You're still in that situation. You see, here's what I've learned. Many times in life, uh, we go through trials and tribulations, and, and we pray, and we ask God for deliverance. We want God to bring us out, and many times God doesn't bring us out until he gets out of us what he wants to get out of us. Sometimes God wants you to get something out of your situation, and God knows if he prematurely delivers you, you will never learn the lesson that God wants you to learn to facilitate the changing of your life. Uh, today, for a few moments, I want to continue our series, Don't Worry, Trust God. And I want to talk to you today from the thought, how to trust God in your trials. How to trust God in your trials. I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that uh, for many of us, we don't have a problem trusting God when things are going well. But the question is, how well do you trust him when the tests come? How well do you trust him when the trials come? How well do you trust God when the difficulties come? And like Walter, you may be feeling like something's wrong with your walk with God because uh, things just haven't been made right. You have uh, turned to self-care of a variety of sources because God has not provided you the relief, the deliverance that you have been praying for and that you have been seeking. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is the passage that we want to focus on today. And there's several things I'd like to show you in this passage, very simple things that I hope and pray can give you some insight into what God wants to teach you in your trial so you can learn how to trust him even more. Here's the first thing. Number one, you need to realize as a Christ follower, you are never exempt from problems in life. As a Christ follower, you are never exempt from problems in life. Second Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle Paul, speaking in the third person, begins to share an experience that he had, a spiritual experience that he had with God. In the text he says it happened 14 years ago. And it was in that moment that God showed him some tremendous things. Uh, here was Paul experiencing unbelievable spiritual insight, spiritual moments uh, where he saw some things that nobody had saw. He, 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 he heard some things that nobody else had heard. He went some places that to his knowledge nobody else had gone. And, and, and Paul uh, chronicles what has happened and what has transpired. Uh, and you got to know something about Paul in order to appreciate his words here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. First of all, uh, Paul, uh, the scriptures teach us, was a Pharisee. Uh, he was the, the artist formerly known as Saul. Uh, he was a persecutor of the early church of Jesus Christ. Uh, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a person who had that personal life-changing encounter with Jesus. He sat and studied at the feet of the master teacher, Gamaliel. Uh, he was a man who was used by the Holy Ghost to write over half of the New Testament. It's reported that Paul spoke 13 languages, seven of them fluently, but despite all that Paul had gone through, when you read 2 Corinthians beginning at verse 1 of chapter 12 and you read down through around verse 7, the Bible says that Paul was given a thorn in the flesh. Paul had to deal with a perpetual pain for which there was no relief. Paul had to deal with some pain. 
Now, listen to me carefully. I, I, I don't know about you, but, but man, if anybody of the human race would qualify for an exemption from problems, if there was anybody who could pull out their get-out-of-trouble card, you would think it would be Paul. I mean, come on. Met Jesus face-to-face, walked with the Lord, gave his life to serving the Lord, and the Bible says Paul still had to deal with that perpetual pain, that thorn in his flesh. And somebody may be asking, what, what does that have to do with me, Pastor? You know what's amazing to me? It's amazing to me how many times we go through things in life and we act surprised and shocked when we have to go through those things. For somebody, I'm giving you some new information, but for somebody, I'm just reminding you of a truth that you have already learned, but you have forgotten to apply. You don't get an exemption from problems in life. I don't care how much you pray, how much time you spend with God, you are going to have trials come up in life. I don't care how good you treat people. You can live by the golden rule. You can fast, pray, tithe, sacrifice. You can do everything and still have trials come into your life. Look at Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and when they lie on you for his sake. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 4 beginning at verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised when it comes. Look at what he says in verse 13. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So listen to me carefully. Exemptions are not given. You, as a Christ follower, will never be exempt from challenges and problems in life. The question is not will they come. The question is how you will respond when they do come. Here's the second thing and final thing I want to share with you. Number two. You need to realize God wants to teach you while you go through your trials. We're talking about trusting God in your trials. And I need you to realize that God wants to teach you while you go through your trials. See, I've learned in life, everything in life is intended and designed, if you see it this way, to teach you something. To teach you something about yourself, teach you something about others, or to teach you something about God. Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, basically shows us, in essence, the syllabus of his suffering. Paul shows us, as he was matriculating through these tough times, what God was trying to show him. And my brothers and sisters, listen to me carefully. You don't ever want to waste a tough time when God is taking you through. You don't ever want to waste a suffering moment. You don't ever want to waste a difficult situation. You want to find out, God, what are you trying to teach me so I can be better instead of becoming bitter? Watch what the text says, verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, 
I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Let's stop right there. Here's what I want you to see. A, in your trials, God wants to teach you to identify and fight your pride. God wants to teach you to identify and fight your pride. It's clear in the text that Paul had not just the potential and the possibility, but the proclivity to exhibit pride in his life because uh, the Scripture starts, verse 7, and ends, verse 7, with the same measure to keep me from becoming proud. God understood that based on everything that Paul had experienced and everything that Paul had done, there was a great potential for him to become prideful. And so it's as if God says, this thorn that I sent to you was intended to keep you from becoming prideful. Instead of boasting in all that he had done and all he experienced, Paul boasted in his weaknesses. He boasted in his infirmities because he understood that once he understood his weaknesses and infirmities, it gave him a clearer understanding of who God was. My brothers and sisters, listen to me carefully. You want to make sure you identify and fight your Pride. That, that word for proud there is interesting. It, it, it literally means to become haughty or, or full of your uh, self, to be conceited, uh, to be exalted. But here's what's interesting. It's in the middle voice, which means we literally exalt ourselves. This is not somebody else lifting you to a position. This is you lifting yourself to a position. Watch this. Not physically, but in your own mind. So you become great in your own mind. You become a legend in your own mind. Your birthday becomes a national holiday in your own mind. And the problem is not so much your birthday being your national holiday. It's when you require everybody else to celebrate your national holiday. He says you got to be careful about how you allow yourself to manage yourself, and you don't want to develop pride within you. Remember what I said, Paul had this this series of undescribable experiences. He he went where nobody else had gone. He saw what, what nobody else had seen. He heard what nobody else had heard, and, and, and he did what nobody else had, had done. Paul had every potential to get beside himself. And can I tell you something, my brothers and sisters? You don't have to experience half of what Paul did to get beside yourself. Matter of fact, all we need, many of us, is one more of something than somebody else. All we need to do is pretend like we have something, and we can pump ourselves up to the point that our head can't fit through the door. We can get so beside ourselves that we see ourselves as more than we really are. I was talking to a gentleman one time who really, really remembered names really well. And and I asked him a question. I said, how is it that you remember people's names so well? And he said, it's because when people tell me their name, I focus on it, I concentrate on it, I I associate other words with it and with their face so that I remember their name. He said the problem with most people is the reason when you introduce them to somebody, they don't remember the person's name, is because they're so busy saying their name and wanting to be remembered by the person that they don't take the time to remember the person who told them their name. That's why people turn around and say, oh, what's your name again? Because they were so busy wanting the person to know them that they didn't put forth the effort and energy to know the person who introduced themselves to them. The Bible says it was that that thorn that helped check Paul's pride. 
He said, for this reason, I was given this, this thorn. And, and my brothers and sisters, we don't know uh, what the thorn is. All we do know is that it was a perpetual pain for which Paul could find no relief. Uh, there, there was no healing. There was no deliverance. Uh, there was nothing that was uh, uh, powerful enough to relieve him of his pain. And the Bible says that it was this pain that helped him to deal with his pride. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride will destroy a person. The NCV translation says a proud attitude leads to ruin. Come on, we've seen that just recently, right, in our country, how pride can lead to ruin. Proverbs 29, 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Let's go to B. B, in your trials, God wants to teach you to pray. God wants to teach you to pray. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, three different times, I beg the Lord to take it away. Two times in verse 7, Paul says, lest I be exalted above measure, lest I become prideful, lest I become conceited, God gave me a thorn in the flesh. God wanted to deal with his pride, but here's the second thing right here in verse 8. Paul says, I beg the Lord, I prayed three times specifically asking God to move this thorn out of my life. That, that word begged in the New Living Translation literally means to call near, to invite or invoke or implore or plead with someone to walk alongside you to help you handle this or to take this load off of you. He says, three times I begged God to remove this thorn. And let me tell you something about your thorn. Your thorn may be physical. Your thorn may be spiritual. Your thorn may be a person, a place, or a thing. But whatever your thorn is, it is that thing that checks your pride, watch this, and makes you pray even when you don't want to pray. Sometimes it's a situation, a circumstance. Sometimes it's a person. And, and the truth of the matter is, as much as they frustrate you, you know and God knows you wouldn't pray as much as you pray if they weren't in your life. Now, somebody may say, well, I, I understand that, but, but why is that so important? Because here's the problem. Our tendency is to play instead of pray. See, we don't pray in the good times. We want to play in the good times. And God knows that many times in order to get us to pray, he's got to send storms, he's got to send trials and tests, he's got to send painful situations to get us to pray because he knows if he doesn't, we'll play instead of pray. The Bible says Paul begged the Lord and prayed. And ask God, listen, 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 there's nothing like perpetual pain to take you to your knees to make you pray. There's nothing like a question for which you have no answer and pain for which you have no relief to cause you to pray. Maybe God has used the events of this last year. I'm not even talking about COVID or economic crisis. I'm talking about for somebody just family issues. For somebody, issues on your job. For somebody, personal issues. Maybe God has allowed that to happen just to get you to pray more seriously. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart, that they should always pray. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant, be constant in prayer. Colossians 4, 2, come on, read it with me if you will. Continue steadfastly, come on, read it with me. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Here's the last thing in point two. See, 
In your trials, God wants to teach you to trust in his power. God wants to teach you about your pride, your potential for pride, how you can get beside yourself. God wants to teach you how to pray. The third thing is God wants to teach you about his power. Verse 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Paul is praying. He says, Lord, remove this thorn. Lord, take this thorn away from me. Lord, deliver me from this. And God gives Paul an answer. It's an answer to his prayer, but it's not the answer he wants. Paul is praying, and God says to him, Paul, here's my final answer. Don't ask me again. My grace is all you need. My grace is sufficient. You want to get out, and I need you to know that my grace will see you through. Somebody ought to shout right there. Come on, put it in the chat room. Thank God for his grace. Because what grace will not get you out of, grace will get you through. Somebody, you can testify right now, if I could pass the microphone to you, that you made it through 2020 by his grace. Not just you personally, but the things that came at you, the attacks that came against you, the personal issues that you had to deal with, family issues that you had to deal with, deaths, non-COVID related, family crisis, all of the things you had to deal with, life continued to go on, but you made it by the grace of God. You made it out by his grace. See, see, Paul helps us here because watch this. One of the things that will add to your anxiety, your frustration, your depression, one of the things that will add to your stress is the realization that you can't get out, you can't change your situation, and no matter what you do, you still have to deal with the problem. Many people get to the end of their rope and feel like life is not worth living because of what they cannot do, what they don't have the ability to do. They can't see their way through. They can't see their way out. I'm talking to somebody today. You are in that place right now, and listen to what Paul says. Paul says, my grace is all you need, and watch what God says. My power works best in your weakness. My power works best in your weakness. Sometimes God has to get us to a place of extreme weakness so we will call on and accept his extreme power. See, we get frustrated the weaker we get. And Paul says, I had to learn a lesson. He said, that's why I boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can come work through me. That's why I take pleasure, verse 10, in my weaknesses. And in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Boy, I don't have time to talk about this passage like I feel it, but I got to tell you, God's grace, God's unmerited favor, extraordinary goodness, it's when God gives us what we don't deserve. God, God says, my grace is sufficient. And, and, and Paul basically says this, I, I rejoice in my weakness. Said I, I used to lament, man, I used to, I used to fight, I used to pray over my weakness, but here's what Paul teaches us. The more I embrace my weakness, the more I embrace the power of God and the grace of God in my life. See, when you think you're strong, you're actually weak because you're fighting by yourself. But when you realize how weak you are, then you realize how strong God is because now you accept your dependence upon God. 
When that phrase says, my strength is made perfect, it's, it's like my strength is made complete. It, it fulfills its divinely intended purpose when it shows up in the midst of weakness. I want to encourage somebody today. When your weakness is revealed to you, God wants you to shift your view from your weakness to his strength. Shift from focusing on your inabilities to focusing on God's abilities. Shift from focusing on your inadequacies to focusing on God's adequacies. Shift from focusing on your insufficiencies to focusing on God's sufficiencies. Shift from focusing on what you can't to focusing on what God can. When I say don't worry, trust God, what I'm telling you is stop worrying by focusing on you and shift to focusing on God. Isaiah 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Let, let me reread that again, and let me just take just a little liberty, if you will allow me. When you pass through 2020, I will be with you. And through 2020, you shall not be overwhelmed. When you walk through 2020, you shall not be burned, and 2020 shall not consume you. God has brought you out. And he's brought you out for a reason. Look at Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 11. Come on, somebody give me an amen. Somebody give me a hallelujah in the chat right now. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. My brothers and sisters, here's what I want to close out with. I want to close with encouraging you to see the benefit and the blessing of what you've been through. Paul changed his perspective on his perpetual pain. He, he saw God helping him with his pride. He, he, he saw God allowing him and showing him his dependence and his need to pray. And he showed uh, God uh, that he saw God's power. Somebody is listening right now. Whether God has had to reveal to you your pride, your need to pray, or his power, I want you to rejoice and thank God for the sufficiency of his grace. The sufficiency of his grace. The grace that saved you is the grace that sustains you right now. It's the grace that keeps you. It's the grace that keeps you in your right mind when you could lose your mind. It's the grace that keeps you going on when you feel like giving up. It's the grace that when you want to lift your hands and give up, you lift up your hands and give God praise. It's all because of his grace. Can I tell you something about Walter? Walter learned something over the last year that I hope each one of us learns. Walter found out that in his praying to God, he may not find deliverance from his troubles, but he could find God. And while he was seeking to find a way out, what he actually found was a way closer to God. And my prayer is that in the midst of your trials, in the midst of asking God to get you out, recognize that many times God just wants to get you closer, closer to him. Let's pray. 
God, I thank you today for your grace and for your mercy. Many times in life we may feel guilty because we think Christians aren't supposed to feel the way that we have felt do the things that we have done just to get through with a level of sanity. God, I pray that you would encourage somebody today to stop running from something and start running to someone. The promise that you give us in your word to live anxious for nothing isn't based on what we can do, but it's based on who we know and who we trust. Help us, God, to understand that this battle is a continual process. That the pain that was perpetual for Paul will show up in a variety of shapes, forms, and manifestations in our own lives. But help us to realize, God, that the remedy is always the same to come to you and to recognize your grace is sufficient help us to recognize what we are not kept from your grace can keep us through it's in jesus name we pray amen for somebody today uh, i hope and pray god has spoken to your heart and spoken to your life. If you are watching right now and you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, I want to give you an opportunity today to say yes. Uh, one of the things that I've learned in life is that it's not necessarily one thing that gets us to the place where we're ready to hear God. It's typically the culmination of many things. You've heard the story, the old adage, the straw that broke the camel's back. There was nothing about the straw that was heavy enough on its own to break the camel's back. It was the cumulative effect of everything else so that when the straw was put on the camel's back, that was it. And for somebody, it may be something really, really small that set you off, that's taken you to that place that you know and God knows you don't need to be. But Paul reminds us that his grace is sufficient. And maybe that, that straw has brought you to the place where you realize you need the Lord in your life. If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, I, I want to encourage you to pray that prayer of salvation and ask the Lord into your life. If you're not sure of your salvation, I want to encourage you to make sure that you know that you're saved that Jesus Christ lives in your heart, that the Holy Ghost has taken up residence within your person. You can click on the link that says, I want to become a Christian, but how? And I will show you via video how to ask Jesus Christ into your life. You can click on that right now. Um, you can also, if you're looking for a church home and you believe this is where God wants you to be, uh, you can click on the link that says, I want to become a member of the church. And we will walk you through uh, what it means to be a member of the Good Hope Church. Even if you don't live in the Houston metropolitan area, we want to be your spiritual fulfillment center and help you in your discipleship, in your walk with God to become all that God wants you to be. I want to thank those of you who have been faithful in your giving. Thank you for your generosity. Um, we have been able to help thousands of people here uh, through this ministry, uh, locally, nationally, and internationally, in our support of our home mission, our national mission effort, and our foreign mission effort. Uh, and we've been faithful. Uh, those people who are serving and spreading the gospel around the world, uh, we're still supporting them and haven't stopped with COVID-19 because of your generosity. And I want to thank you for continuing to be faithful in your giving. I want us to close today and I want us to take a moment to pray. This past week, 
in the midst of the inauguration of new president and vice president, historic inauguration, the first African-American vice president, first South Asian vice president, South Asian descent, the first female vice president. In the midst of, of that history, we also crossed a very grim milestone. Over 400,000 people have died in our country as a result of COVID-19. This hit home for me on several fronts. First, we've had two of our members who died as a result of COVID-19 and probably 15 or more who have tested positive and have suffered from COVID-19 to various degrees. But the moment that hit me was when I was home on one evening last year and I was watching NBC Nightly News and they were highlighting people who died as a result of COVID-19. And I saw a pastor, pastor of the Macedonia Baptist Church in New York City, Pastor Isaac Graham. He was a man who was very encouraging of me when I was an associate minister and then started pastoring my first church, the St. John Baptist Church in Copay, New York, out in Long Island. And Isaac Graham's brother-in-law was a pastor, Spurgeon Creighton, in a neighboring church. And I developed a relationship with Isaac through the Eastern Baptist Association. And they put his picture up as one who had lost his battle to COVID-19. I called some friends of mine and then found out how hard hit New York was at the time and there were pastor friends of mine who had 25 plus members who had passed as a result of COVID-19. The deaths were mounting so fast during that time period that they weren't holding funerals that literally pastors would drive to the front gate of the cemetery and do the committal at the front gate and then they would take the body in and deposit the body and then it got so bad that they weren't even burying people. They were cremating them. And I remember thinking to myself when I saw that, man, can't get any worse than this. But it has. Over 400,000 people have died. And that's not counting the people who have died from natural causes and from other causes. And that's not counting the people who are suffering from the repercussions of having COVID who haven't died but are dealing with the lingering effects. That's just the people who have died. I want us to pray for our country. I want us to pray for these families for whom Christmas will never be the same. Thanksgiving will never be the same. Birthdays will never be the same. Holidays will never be the same. Their day-to-day -day existence will never be the same. I want us to pray for them and ask God's grace and mercy to be upon them. And if I'm praying for you today, uh, I want you to claim the victory right now in Jesus. Remember what I said, what God doesn't keep you from, he has the power to keep you through. Some of you are healing right now. Some of you are dealing with COVID right now. And I want to pray for you. Then I want to pray for all of us that we would have the wisdom to not move too fast, to not get too anxious, to not try to force things, that we would wear our masks, that we would respect the space of each other, that we would get the vaccine if we have the opportunity, that we would do everything that we can to help get us all back to a sense of normalcy. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come to you in prayer. God, if, if we ever needed you before, we need you now. God, give us wisdom, give us guidance, and give us direction. 400,000 people plus have lost their lives in this country 
and well over a million around the world. Father, I pray now that you would send your power, send your grace, send your healing virtue to bless those who still remain. Encourage their heart, God. Encourage their mind. Hold them in the hollow of your hand, God, and let them know that you love them through it all. I pray, God, for our new leadership in our country, our new president and vice president, new cabinet members, new members of Congress. And I pray, God, as you have asked us to cover our government officials, we pray for our past leadership and we pray for our present leadership, that you would give him wisdom and direction so that we can do what we need to do in order to curtail the effects of this COVID virus. And I pray, God, in the midst of it all, that people would come out of this with a clearer picture of who they are and who you are, and that they would come to know you as Savior and Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.